0: But before we get going with Genesis, um, I just wanted to share something with you. So last Tuesday, uh, Leah and I got a call, um, and we got to spend time with our first foster care placement um, at the hospital, and we're, we were able to bring her home this Thursday. Um, she's three weeks old, super strong, has the sweetest personality. Her name's Scarlett, um, and it took me all of like three seconds to get attached to her. Um, and like I was holding her just after a few days, and like, girl, I want to buy you a car. Like, I, I just felt that. You know, it, it was just innate in me. Um, and so we aren't supposed to give her a whole lot of outside interaction for the first few weeks out of the hospital. Um, so Leah's going to be staying at home um, with her for those few weeks, so she won't be here at church. Um, but we also don't know the length of time that we're going to be keeping uh, Scarlett because the goal of foster care is always reunification with the family. Um, and, like, we're doing Foster to Adopt but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to foster and then adopt them. Um, it just means that kind of the last case, the, the last step, um, so it'll always be family first, and then the last step will be um, something that we get to do. But uh, I immediately knew, like from just holding her from the very first time, I was like, I want to adopt this girl. Like, my heart was so full in that moment, like tears were just streaming down my face, and I just could not stop crying. And I sat there and I knew just for the first time, full well, like how the Father looks at you and I. Like he wants to adopt you and me. That's the love that he has for us. This is Galatians 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as, adoption as sons. Like, maybe you just needed to hear that this morning, that you're loved by a father who longs to adopt you if, if you have not yet been adopted. And if you have been adopted, he does not regret it. Uh, that, that has nothing to, to do with the sermon or Genesis 25. I just wanted to share that. Um, so let's read together Genesis 25, verse 19. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son, Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. And two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days days to give birth were completed, behold, there were were twins in her her womb. (sighs) Sorry. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright right now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word to us, and we pray that uh, that you would show up on behalf of us as you do every Sunday, God, and that you would... Uh, Make your word make sense to us. That you would do the surgery on our hearts, cut away the the hardness of our hearts, God, and and give us new pieces of our hearts that are soft. And we ask that you would do that by your spirit, by your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Do me a favor and complete this sentence in your head for me. Life will have meaning for me if blank. Life will have meaning for me if blank. The answer to that question, the words that you fill in that blank, will show you what it is you truly treasure in this life, and thus where you think you will find true life. What you answer is what you will worship. What you answer is what you will become most like and we're all gonna have different answers if we're honest. Life will have meaning for me if I'm loved, if I'm respected, if I'm able to master this area of my life, if someone is there to protect me and keep me safe, if I'm completely free from obligations or responsibilities, if I'm highly productive, if I'm recognized for my accomplishments, if I have a certain amount of wealth or financial freedom, if I find the one, if I make my parents proud, if I make my kids proud, If I have a certain body image or look, if I have that one experience in my life, or maybe you go the other way around and you feel like you have to have a pain or a problem or dysfunction or chaos to feel like um, your life will have meaning for you. That is what will give us meaning and worth, all of those things. For me, uh, I'm all about comfort. I want the best food, the most food, the sweetest food. Uh, I want to be in the air conditioning in the summer and the heat in the winter um, and I hate being confrontational. One time, this guy was, um, when we lived in our apartments in Mesquite, this guy was just yelling at the lady who worked in the office at the apartment. Um, and I just went in to get our mail. And so I walk in and he's just yelling at her. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Uh, how about, can, can you just apologize to her for yelling? Um, and he just kept yelling. And then his wife came in and said, uh, he doesn't need to apologize. And I was like, all right, uh, that's, that's totally fine. And the whole time I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, I'm breathing like that now, just telling you the story again. Um, But, uh, so she said, he doesn't need to apologize. And I said, that's fine. He can either apologize or be a coward. I was like, I just wanted to run out the room, but I was like, just stood there like all bowed up. Like, let me stand here. Um, And then she said, well, he he still doesn't need to apologize. He's a grown man. And I was like, okay, lady. Um, But, To answer the question for me, I think if I was honest, I would say life would have meaning for me if I have total and complete comfort, if I never have to leave my comfort zone, uh, to which some of you are thinking, you just said you're doing foster care, right? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, But some might say power, some might say significance, some might say love, some might say approval, some might say control, but here's the thing about our answer. Whatever it is you and I believe that is going to complete us, Whatever we think will give our lives significance, whatever we think will give our lives meaning, that is our God. An old pastor in New York wrote an entire book on this subject and he calls them counterfeit gods. And in our passage this morning, we see uh, three different answers to this question uh, from Jacob, Esau, and then the couple of Isaac and Rebecca. We see Jacob grasping the heels of his brother, deceiving him out of his rightful birthright, manipulating his way to the birthright because that's what meant most to him. That's what became his God. Then we see Esau giving up his birthright, the blessing from God, all for a cup of soup, all for the here and now. His life right here and right now became his God. And finally, we see Isaac and Rebecca give a good answer. They pray and inquire of the Lord, patiently waiting on him to move, relying on God for everything big and small, making God their God. So, Genesis 25 is going to help you and I answer this question for ourselves. So, let's just take a look at the first one, uh, Jacob. Uh, Look at verse 23. Actually, I meant to say verse 22. But before we get there, anyway, uh, in Genesis so far, we've followed God by faith through the narrative of Abraham Uh, the ups and the downs, the faith and the sin. Uh, for 13 whole chapters spanning a century of time. Um, But now our boy Abraham has died, uh, and God's call to Abraham in Genesis 12 to bless the the nations through this family um, that's still going through his offspring, Isaac. So we follow his life now after learning about him and his wife and that beautiful marriage moment where even the animals bowed down to the moment. and that was in chapter 24. And so now, after 20-some-odd years of marriage, Isaac and Rebekah finally conceive, um, and Rebecca is pregnant with twins. But in verse 22, we see the beginnings of a struggle between the brothers. Uh, the children strugg- struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. So before they're even born, we see God calling it like he sees it. And I I just love that we get to see this glimpse of God. Like there's not a time in history or in future that he's not present. Like that's mind-blowing to me. Um, And how boring would it be to worship a God that we could figure out in a few years? Um, Yet that's exactly what we do when our meaning is found in success or in being well-known or in fame or... uh, Like when our meaning is found there, we do anything and everything uh, to step into that meaning unless we worship that thing. But what happens when we get it? It's empty. It's good news for us that God is unsearchable. Like it is a good thing that Psalm 139 verse five says, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go to escape your spirit?" Where can I flee from your presence? The truth is, like, we cannot even time travel and escape the presence of God. That's insane. Uh, That's the God I want to worship. But anyway, God calls it like he sees it, and he allows Rebecca to peek behind the curtain for a split second, and he says, your sons are going to fight, and they're going to fight hard. Like, they're going to be divided against each other. One's going to be way stronger, and then the older one is actually going to serve the younger one, and this was terrible news. Like the oldest is supposed to be the breadwinner. The oldest is supposed to get the birthright and that's the way it's supposed to be. God just clued her into something that's gonna happen that's not good. Because if a brother has a birthright, what would you naturally think would happen to make the birthright go to the next son? You think he dies. So she thinks, man, he's gonna die. Verse 24, when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand, holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So Jacob is already fighting for supremacy against his brother. Uh, Grasping the heel is a derogatory uh, phrasing. Think of men running a race and one's losing and so he just reaches out to either try to trip the guy in front of him or just hold on to his leg to be pulled across the finish line like you lost. And that's the grasping, the, grasping at the heel. Um, it's just, here's the truth of us for, the truth for us today is that we're like Jacob. He's a cheater. He's a liar. He's grasping at the heels of whatever it is he truly longs for and that's us. We're manipulating and deceiving and lying and relying on our own cunning to succeed in life rather than depending on God to give us what we need when we need it. It's so easy. When we strive and chase and reach out and grasp at the heel of those things that we think are gonna give us meaning, instead of waiting on God to give us what he sees fit for us, grasping at the heels is not a good thing. It is sin. You and I must not be believers who try to make our own way we see over and over again throughout Scripture how God will humble these people, and those passages are not popular for a good reason. Jacob grasped the heel of his brother, but this is just a small, symbolic foreshadowing of what's to come in verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me gulp some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. So the that kind of helps to clue us into Esau as well, like the gulping. Um, he wants to have the most that he can have. It's not just, hey, let me have what I, what I, just what I need. It's, hey, I want more than that. Um, for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright Now. This is manipulation and deceiving and cunning. And what probably happened is that since Rebecca got the news from God, she got this prophecy from God, like, hey, look, this is going to happen. She probably told Jacob that since Jacob was her favorite. So uh, he's most likely just living up to what his mom wants to be true. He sees the blessing and he goes for it at the cost of his brother. Jacob looks at the situation, sees the blessing, the success of his life, the meaning, and he sacrifices his brother's blessing to get it. Here's just a good rule of thumb. If we have to spend, uh, if we have to sin to find the meaning of our life, it's not going to last, and we're doing it wrong. If we tell a little white lie to get a little extra money on a job to provide for our family, if we omit a few key details in confessing our sin so that we look better than we actually are, if we cheat and lie and steal to make our lives more comfortable, to gain more power, to gain more approval, it is sin. So seeing Jacob's example, what should we do instead? Jesus said, there is no love like a man laying down his life for his friends, Jesus gave up his life, his blessing of a relationship with the Father to give it to you and to me. Jesus gave his life for his friends. So what about you? Where do you find yourself deceiving either yourself or others to get what you want? Where do you rely on your own cunning to succeed in the moment rather than to fail with God? Uh, So we see a terrible example in Jacob. But if you look at the rest of the verses, we see that Esau is wrong too. Like Jacob's a turd, but there's, there's no denying that. But Esau isn't clean either. Let's take a look at him in verse 32. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he gulped and drank and rose and went his way. So Esau received what he truly wanted in life. His life here. He wanted it and he got it. Esau is not simply giving up a birthright where he could get um, more land than the other kids. He's giving up his reliance on God to go in his own way. What this means for Esau is that he sees the grace of God. He sees if I, if I just stay here, this is the grace of God, and he turns from it to remain in his sin. He doesn't want it. And the truth of the matter is that we're also like Esau. Every day, we give up grace for something that we think is going to give us meaning. The reason why we strive and search and seek for that one thing that will complete us is because we are sinful human beings who are just like Esau, and we forsake the grace of God for something small. Every time we look at that website, every time we overeat, every time we sin in any way at all, we are choosing what we believe in that moment will bring us ultimate joy and meaning. They're counterfeit God's. Success is fine and good, but it is a horrible savior. The sad reality um, of those on the wide path that leads to destruction, those who have not become believers of Jesus Christ, is that they see grace. They see the handiworks of God all around. Maybe people have even tried to talk to them about Jesus. They have mercy and grace to turn, but they forsake it for something small over and over and over again until one day, they cannot turn any longer. That's why, like, part of Mission Church, like, our mission statement is to glorify God and make disciples. Like, that part of it is never going to change. The by doing da 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 da, that'll probably always change, but we glorify God and we make disciples. Why? Because that's how we get to those people. We make disciples, they make disciples, and it becomes this huge trajectory of of people coming to Christ, of people knowing Christ, and of, of having the power of evangelism. There is a grace that people every day are turning from, and one day they will not have a chance to turn back. One day it will be too late. That's why we disciple So we see in Esau a forsaking of the inheritance, a breaking from the birthright, a turning from grace. And it happened because Esau saw what he believed gave his life, meaning, Um, that's why at the end of verse 34, it says, Esau despised his birthright. And notice, it doesn't say Jacob stole his birthright. It says Esau gave it up. Esau did not want it. He says, I'm about to die. What good is this grace to me? I don't need God anymore. I gotta help myself. He can't help me. And so he does, and so do we. Every time we step into the place of God to provide for ourselves what only God can, we are like Esau, and we are in sin. Uh, The Puritans, when they first came over from uh, England to the colonies, and I mean, they were just amazing. They have some really cool writings. They were a little bit crazy, but um, they had some just really good writing. Uh, But one guy... He said that every morning he would wake up and he would write out a task list of just everything he had to do, Um, you know, all the crops, all the um, animal stuff, feeding the animals, everything, Uh, talking to his wife, talking to his kids, everything. He would just write out this task list. And before his day even started, he would just pray for the strength to be able to do that. Like, that was crazy to me. I was like, man, I I wish I thought about life that way. But they saw where the grace was and they went after it. Please help me, please guide me. Uh, Probably the greatest example of of this line of thinking, not that line of thinking, the opposite of Esau's line of thinking um, is Judas. For a stack of silver, Judas gave up his brother Jesus to feel a little more secure financially. And he ended up killing himself. Because he felt so ashamed. When we strive for that which is not Jesus, we actually lose Jesus. So seeing Esau's example, what should we do instead? Jesus says in Matthew six, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, here Esau in there, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Can you see the correlation? It's almost as if Jesus is answering Esau. He says, don't say, what am I going to eat? Am I, I'm going to die out here. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If God works to clothe the grass of the field and the birds, uh, do not worry about food. How much more so would I care for you, Esau? And the most telling words of these verses is in uh, verse 30 of it. It says, oh, you of little faith. That's the entire issue of the question. We start to believe in our counterfeit gods when we lose faith in our real God. We start to get anxious about food and water and fame and success and love and we start to care less and less about grace. We start to give up the God of our salvation for our counterfeit gods. So what about you? Where do you tend to have little faith? Where do you give up the grace given to you to try to save a little bit of your life here? Where do you choose your counterfeit God over your real God? Our lives will not have meaning if I gain any of these things. So then our question becomes, well, what does it mean to answer this question well? What is the answer we should have? We find the answer, actually, in the example of Isaac and Rebekah in verse 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived the children struggled together within her and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So we have this couple who's been married for 20 years and they have not seen a child, which was at the time the biggest cultural blessing of the, of the time. Like women who could not have children were rendered useless. So this is a really tough situation for them to be in. How do they respond? Do they lie and steal their way into a baby like Jacob or abraham and sarah for that matter do they give up and let go of their faith like esau to to get what they want no what do they do jacob prays rebecca inquires of the lord they have faith these verses show that they have been praying to the lord for over 20 years which is ridiculous i wish i could pray about things for longer than five minutes that's that's way too long more like a minute Rebecca has some issues come up in her womb, and she goes straight to the Lord to inquire of him what's going on. This is faith. Jacob knows this whole situation, and he's praying for those 20 years, and that prayer is finally answered. Like, this is faith. To be a Christian does not mean smooth sailing all the time, and it most definitely involves being on the outside of God's timing. Like, we don't know. Faith looks to God for everything big and small. Faith depends on the provision of God and God alone. Faith means going to God with whatever issue it is we have because he alone is able to bless or curse. Faith means believing in and trusting God no matter what comes or what happens because he is sovereign and he is in control and that means everything's gonna be all right. We got God, we gonna be all right. That means for us, All of the things that we long for and search for, that we think that we need, even if we never see a little bit of comfort, even if we never have that control that we want, even if we have zero approval from anyone ever, even if we have no power over any situation ever, even if we are looked at as a failure from the world, even if we only have three followers on Instagram, Even if we never have a single thing that we ever desire, ever, it's still going to be okay because we have the God of all of those things to spend eternity with. If I never have my comfort another day in my life, my life should not lose its meaning. My life's joy and peace and comfort should not be found here because here is falling, fading away. It should be found in Christ alone through faith. So we can actually answer our question now. My life will only have meaning if I have faith in God. My life will only have meaning if I have faith in God. Without faith, my life means nothing. Without faith, my life is nothing but an average amount of years and all the success and fame and love and everything I could muster in this life and that's it. My counterfeit gods can never do what I want them to do. They can never even do what they promised me they will do. Only one God saves. Only one God gives comfort. Only one God gives true and forever and deep and meaningful life is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of the universe. My life has meaning if I have faith in that God. And so, the truth of the matter is that the only way to this faith is through the but through the brother who gave up his birthright not for himself but for us what we miss in jacob we see in jesus and through the brother who would like esau go on to forsake the blessing that you and I may have it. What we miss in Esau, we see in Jesus through the man, Christ Jesus, who would give us all the answer to the question forever. Where do we find the meaning of our lives? Through believing the gospel, through turning from our sins to faith in Jesus Christ. And all of us as a family of believers will get to praise this Jesus forever for taking on the curse we deserved. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was one of our songs at the very bottom. It says, for he was despised and rejected. It's from Isaiah 53. He was despised so that we wouldn't have to. He gives us the blessing that he deserved. And as a picture of that day, we're gonna be at the table with the Lord, with all of these other believers, all of the other righteous folks, and we're just gonna be kicked back, relaxing, sitting next to Jesus, So, as a picture of that day, uh, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, where we will be kicked back, relaxing in the presence of the one who did all of this work for salvation on our behalf. And we're going to partake of the bread and the wine together, remembering the faith of our lives. Not a single counterfeit God will come to mind. So, if you're a believer, if you boast in this faith, then you're welcome to the table. If, however, you are not yet a believer or if you are in unrepentant sin, I ask that you would remain in your seats on the basis of 1 Corinthians that says you would eat and drink in an unworthy manner. What if this is you? Do work with your father during this time. Cry out to God in Jesus, in faith and ask for God to save you. Ask, Ask for God to break your heart over your sin. Because of Jesus, it's possible for all of us. Uh, here is our prayer, Father. We admit that we need this body and this blood to counteract our faith in counterfeit gods. Would you, by your grace, give us today the faith we need to serve you and you alone? In Jesus' name, Amen. Our lives will only have meaning if we have this faith, because. Our lives will only have meaning if our lives continue. The way that happens is through Jesus. How do we know this for sure? How do we know that one day we will see the promised land of heaven through our faith in Jesus? Because he secured it by his death, by giving up his birthright, that you and I may have it. He did it all on the night when he was betrayed. God, we thank you for the amazing, for the doesn't make sense-ness of Jesus. Like this story makes total sense for us. Jacob sees a birthright, so he deceives to go and get it. Esau is dying, and he just gives the birthright up, and he gets his soup. We get that. What doesn't make sense is somebody who would give up that blessing for somebody else. Somebody who would forsake that blessing, not because they wanted life, but to give others life. God, we know and we love the gospel, yet sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Because of our sin, because of how unworthy we feel sometimes, God. Would you remind us of our worth and our meaning in Christ? Would you never let us forget this body and this blood which was shed for us, the body that was broken for us? We thank you and we love you and we pray that you would help us throughout the rest of this week And that you would just be with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen.